The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Oh, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Oh, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn.
don't deserve your glory, but still you show a love we cannot afford. But like it just straining from the weight, well, my heart no longer can keep from singing. All that Such a tiny offering compared to Calvary, but nevertheless, we lay it at your feet, Lord. Such a tiny offering, it's such a tiny offering compared to Calvary, but nevertheless. One more time. It's such a tiny offering compared to Calvary, but nevertheless, we lay it at your Creature of 
stars we have seen over deserts and oceans the darkness was deep but never hopeless for redemption came and his name is Jesus sing all ye people the
Thank you for the offering today. It's good to be in the house of God today, and it's good to get up on Christmas morning and go to the house of God. And I know our minds upon that. If you're a child of God, it never leaves our minds, never leaves our heart what Jesus did, what God did by sending his son. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. And uh, I wanted them to sing that song. I know normally Schuyler would sing it, that Mary, did you know, she wasn't here today, but I had a reason for it because I have some scriptures that I wanted to start with. But uh, I want to get back to the ABCs today of the gospel. And I want to get back to the ABCs of why Jesus came. And uh, I was kind of thinking this week, I know when Don Johnson called me the other day about his wife passing away, my father died Friday, was 10 years, and uh, 23rd, so I understand what he's going through at this time. To a certain degree, we understand what it means to lose a loved one around the holidays, and it seems like that's when a lot of times they go home. But it's good that the families get together. It's good that people will stand in support of each other. And uh, I love God. I thank him that I know that in spite of whatever we go through, whatever we think about life, God has given us a blessed life. And he's given us a reason to live. And today, I begin to think about Mary, did you know? And I started thinking to myself, what all did Mary know? Now, everybody here in Mystique already brought it up about the shepherds and how the angels came and made the announcement. I'm not going to read all of that. I'm not going to read the story necessarily about it. But I want you to get your mind upon Mary because I want you to think about the mother of Christ. There's mothers in here right now. I don't care how old your son or your daughter is. You think they're perfect. But I want to tell you about the one that had a son that was perfect. And I'm going to tell you something, other. I remember when my sons got to be teenagers, they could, in, they could start speaking back to their mother sometimes, and it would just drive me crazy. And I would think, you know, what did Mary think when Jesus grew up? And you say, well, why do you think about stuff? Well, I can't help it, but there's no perfect children. And I almost think Mary, that she is no different than you and I. She was chosen. She was obviously the vessel to bring the Son of God into this world. She was the son of Mary. And yet, even though she heard that from the angel, and yet even though she was told the Holy Spirit would come upon her and that which was in her was of the of the Holy Spirit and it was of God. He was the Son of God. Even though all the things was said unto her, and she even, as you sing, as you read, she sang a song about it. And she began to uh, boast of how great and how merciful that God would pick a humble person like her, a maiden, a humble maiden. And I thought to myself, you know what? Mary's no different than you and I. Now, I know the Catholic Church lifts Mary up as someone that 
you know, they almost worship. They worship her to get to Christ. But can I tell you something, Mary, and you'll hear that today, is no different than you and I. And God had a purpose. And I want you to pay attention, mothers, to what Mary dealt with because Mary is dealing with the perfect son. Now, you think you've got a perfect child, and I know they may act perfect. You may think they ain't never done nothing real bad. But can I tell you, they're not perfect. You know it, and I know it. And most people been around them, whether they've been around them very long, realize they got flaws. They got things they need to grow up and learn. Jesus had some learning. Jesus grew up at a time, and he had to be dealt with at, at the time. But I don't think he was uh, dealt with the same as any of us because he was a new. He was new come from God. I know I'm confusing you, but I'm not going to try to uh, confuse you anymore. I'm going to try to clear it up. In Luke, the uh, second chapter, the 18th verse, and this is what, Mystique, you read. It says, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, why would Mary ponder things that the shepherds come and told? She had already been visited by an angel. She had already knew this child was special. Number one, she's a mother that never came together with a man to have a child, and she's having a child. So right away, she knows something is special about this child, but she don't understand it all. See, you think because she was the mother of Christ that she's just a saved person going straight to heaven, it doesn't matter what. But I can tell you something, Mary had some learning to do. Mary had some sights to see and some things to think about. And if you live in long enough in this world, I don't care how good, Mommy and Daddy, listen to me, how good you raise your little babies, listen to me, the day will come when the influence of this world will get in there and begin to draw them away from believing everything you've taught them. And I don't know if the rest of you feel that way, but I feel like that's what the enemy's job is. And he's working real hard at it. But it says, Mary kept those things, kept all those things and pondered them. She pondered what those shepherds showed up and told about the baby. This was the night Jesus was born. On down in Luke 2, 46. Jesus is 12 years old at this time. He's becoming a young man. And it says that it came to pass after three days, they found him. Verse 46 of Luke 2. It says they found him. They had left him in the temple. And here he was there after three days, sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. All that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son... Why hast thou thus dealt with us? You think mommy's scolding Jesus? I think mommy's a little upset. Mommy's getting on Jesus' case at 12 years old. Now, I know sometimes you've got to get on your kid's case, and that's part of helping them grow up. But I want you to listen to this, because mommy don't understand everything. In this case, for sure, mommy don't understand. Because it says here, Behold thy father, 
she points, she said to Jesus, Behold thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist or know ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subjected unto them. But his mother, what? Kept all these sayings in her heart. Again, mama's keeping track of what these incidents where she hears things. And you'd think she'd already made up her mind. This is the son of God. This uh, this was, I was visited by a, uh, an angel. Gabriel came and told me I'd have this son. It's a special son, but I don't understand what's going on with him. He took off at 12 years old. He stayed back, and he said, I'm about my father's business, and they didn't understand that. How many knows Mary don't see it all? Listen to what I'm telling you. Mary don't see it all. Mary, did you know? She really didn't know. She really did not know what a, what a blessing that day was in history. She had no idea how special this child really was. She's probably looking at him like he's just like any other child. He's growing up. Maybe the years have gone by. He's 12 years old now. Maybe he's, uh, she's looking at him like, oh, he's just a normal kid. He goes out and plays. He's got friends. He does this. He does that. So she keeps on his case. But I think Mary's beginning to let go a little bit of maybe what she had already knew. Maybe that was all in my head. Maybe I didn't really see. Maybe I don't really understand who he is. On down in the book of Mark. I want you to look at chapter 3 of the book of Mark. If you got your Bible. And I want you to look down at verse 20. And the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard it, heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. Uh-oh, listen to this. He is beside himself. They went out to rescue him. What happened was, he's out there preaching the gospel, people's coming from everywhere. He's just started his ministry. He's began to preach that gospel. But can I tell you something? Other, all of a sudden, the crowd got so big that his his friends and his family that were there decided we need to rescue him. He don't realize he's losing it. Uh oh! Now they think Jesus has lost it. You believe that's what that's saying? I I kind of look at it that way. They went to rescue him because they thought he was overwhelmed and losing it. He would not even stop to eat. They, it was such a crowd coming and they kept coming, he could not stop himself. How many remembers what he told disciples when, he, when they came back with food when, uh, when he was at the well? He said, I have a food you have no not of. How many knows, I don't care how hungry you are, when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you, you know what, Jesus is more important. And what he's doing inside of your heart and what was going on here was much more important than his friends, family, or anybody else understand. Look on down at verse 31 of Mark 3. There came then his brethren 
and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude set about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother and my brethren? How many knows Jesus knew his mother? But he said, Who is my mother and my brethren? How many knows mama thinks maybe he's lost it? Maybe he don't really know what he's saying. Surely he'll come out there. I almost think that when Mary and the brethren came, it says other places, they didn't believe he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. They they wasn't ready to accept that. And a lot of people around were saying, he's just that son of Joseph and Mary. See, we have to come to a conclusion. The ABCs. We have to acknowledge that he is who he is. We have to believe it, but then we have to confess it. And we don't only believe it, but we got to receive it. See, we got a lot of people going around saying, I believe in Jesus, but they don't receive him. They'll stand by in a religion and talk about him, but they have no relationship at all. They have not invited him in, made him Lord of their life, and follow him. I mean, here's what I'm saying. That's what I think God's showing me, and I think he's even showing it, and Jesus is even dealing with his brethren and his mother. Who is my mother and my brethren? And he looked around about them and which sat about him and said, Behold, my mothers and my brothers. What's he saying? These are the ones. Not my earthly mother standing out the door wanting in or wanting me to come home. Whatever they're after him for, whatever they're calling him out, they want his, him to, I think they're trying to rescue him again. I think they're trying to pull him out of the crowd. He's getting a lot of attention. It says, he looked around about, it says in verse 35, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. I remember when my brother Mark got saved. I can remember Sue, him calling me on the phone. And I can remember the times before that when he had a, a brand new Trans Am. And he brought his Trans Am over so to show me what kind of hot car he had. And it was a hot car. I mean, he had the wide wheel base and you could fly around the curves and you could do anything and it was fast. He would turn the radio up. He would turn the radio down. He'd turn it down. He'd say something to me. And then he'd turn it back up because he didn't want me to say anything about Christ. He didn't want me to talk back, so he'd turn that radio right back up. And I'd just grin at him because I knew what he was doing. And I was, I was happy. He had a beautiful car. But see, he came to Jesus, and that made him a different person. You know, God's got a way of reaching out to our heart and drawing us to him. He wants us to not only see him and not only to believe in him, but to receive him. Get a hold of him. Get a hold of him in whatever it takes you to do. Give up whatever you've got in your life, but get a hold of Jesus. The ones around you ain't going to understand. Even his mother didn't understand him. Even all of them didn't understand him at this time. He had a task. 
He was 30 years old. He's a grown man. He's on a, on a mission from his heavenly father. It's embedded in him. It's who he is. He's his father's son. He has to give everything that he has saw from his heavenly father to this world to show them. What is he trying to show them? I and my father are one. And if you come to me, you and me will be one. Listen to me. If you come to Jesus, you'll be one with him. That's why it can't be a religion. That's why it can't be just this church. It can't be just a people. It's got to be God's people, people that do God's will. Those are the ones that Jesus says, these are mine, those that do the will of the Father. They see it, they believe it, and they accept it and they walk it. See, then we become one with him, and that's his goal. I want to change now. Exodus, all the way back in Exodus, the 16th chapter. I want to read something to you in Exodus 16, verse 2. It says, The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The people were whining and crying at Moses and Aaron because they brought them out into the desert and they got nothing to eat. And what are they talking about? I see or I remember the flesh pots and I remember the stuff back, back when I was in it. You know what? They never had the access to the fullness of food. They're fooling you when they say that. That's just a whiner whining. You know, it's like saying, I've been better off. I know I didn't even start this Christianity. I was, I was wealthy. I had money. Now i got to pay tithes. That's killing me. That's why I ain't got no extra money. You know, they worry and worry about silly things, and they keep putting down the very thing that delivered them from, from the world they're in and gave them a life worth living. But it says, verse 4, Then said the Lord to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather it a certain rate every day. How many knows if God tells you to do it a certain way, do it that way? Don't, don't toy with God. Don't make deals with God. If God says do it a certain he told them, I'm going to rain bread from heaven, and I'm going to feed you in the wilderness and he did this for 40 years. He didn't just happen to come out every great once in a while. No, every day of the week it came out. Except Sunday or except the Sabbath. Because he told them on the sixth day, go and gather enough for two days. But he did tell them just a certain rate for each day until that sixth day. See, we don't listen to what God's saying. God tells us to walk a certain way, and we try to work our way around it to do it our way. 
I'm not picking at nobody. You know what? We're all that way. We're, our flesh is crying to have its way. We want to do it our way. It's what I like. I don't want to go to that church. They sing too many congregational songs or they sing too many old songs. So I'm going to go somewhere else where I think they sing what I like. And you know what? It's the same way with preachers, teachers, anybody else. You can find somebody you don't think uh, agrees with just what you're doing, but you have, to, you have to buckle down and say, look, if God put me here for a reason, I'm here for a reason, and maybe I need to be a better influence to them. Okay, I'll leave that alone. But he says, a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. More or less, they're going to do it his way. And then he says, and it shall come to pass on the sixth day, I shall prepare to bring in, and it shall bring twice as much as, as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto the children of Israel at even, then you shall know that the Lord hath brought you out of the land of Egypt. Quit turning your head back to the world to say, I should just go on back and do it myself. I should go on back and get some other direction because God's not taking care of me. He brought us out here to kill us all. How many knows the world is not your buddy? And you know what? Jesus ain't your buddy. He's your Lord. And if he's the Lord of your life, you need to walk with him, not with the world. And when you walk with him, it ain't going to always look good. You might lose jobs because of it. You may lose money because of it. You may lose all kinds of things, friends and all kinds of things. But it's going to be worth it all because when they see the new you that Jesus Christ is going to make, they're going to say he's a better man. He's a be she's a better woman. There's been a change in that person. I knew them when they were like they were, but now I know them, and they're a better person. Inside their heart, they have compassion for people. Only God could have brought that. You may be a real good person here. Let me tell you something. I, ain't none of us one bit better than the other. But can I tell you something? God will do a work in you that you don't see. See, it's a door that you don't see, and it's a light that you don't see until you take the faith of saying, God said it, he calls me, and I'm supposed to walk this. Walk with him. And then it says in Numbers 11, 4 through 9, it says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember, listen to this memory of Egypt again. We remember the fish we, which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our soul is dried up. There is nothing at all besides this manna. You mean God provided a manna and now you mean that's all we get is manna? Are we whiners or what? You know, we had a Thanksgiving dinner about a month ago. We had so much food, and I just went around and got a sample plate, and I went home and felt like I'd swelled up 20 pounds. You know, and you feel that way. And then you, re you think about all the good food. Everybody works so hard to make that good food. And then you come back a month later and you do it again. You need to fast the whole time between those. 
But the truth is, we do it again. Can you imagine they were in the desert being fed by God from the heavens? The dew would fall, and then this manna would fall on the dew, and it would, it would come up every day, every evening, every morning. They'd go out and gather that for that day. And I think about it, I talk to myself, wow, that was the answer to their cry. I mean, it was evidence in front of them every day for 40 years. He fed them. He gave them food to feed. They, you know, probably if any Egyptians were left, when they left the Red Sea, guess what they probably thought? Them people's out there dead somewhere because they ain't got nothing but desert out there. But how many knows they didn't know the God that brought them out of there? The God that you serve. It says, besides this manna before our eyes, and the manna was a coridan, corander seed, and the color thereof was the color of bedlam. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it to mills and beat it to mortar and baked it to pans and made cakes and the taste of it was a taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. It says manna. It tastes like wafers made with honey. I mean, that's pretty good, sounds like. Some of you might not like honey. Some of you might not like wafers. But I think if you're out there starving, you ain't got no food, I'd be tickled to death we got it. And then it says Corridan seed was something that grew annually and was used for flavoring. And that's where it's got its flavor from, I guess. In Joshua, it says, after 40 years, the manna stopped. In Joshua 5.12, it says the manna ceased. This is after they came into the promised land. 40 years has gone by. Time-wise, 40 years. And it says and manna the manna ceased on the morrow, and after that, after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Now let's turn to the sixth chapter of John. If we came here today, if you got up on Christmas Day to come and talk about somebody, let's talk about Jesus. You know, we took a time to come out in bad weather, cold weather, snow weather. We're going to remember this Christmas. I told him it's going to be the Arctic blast Christmas. It just came. Last week it was warm. Next week it's supposed to be warm. But we got it all right at Christmas. Praise God. I, I have to admit, I prayed for a white Christmas. But I, I ain't saying it's my fault. But it, I, I, I'm happy when I see snow. In the sixth chapter of John, I want you to hear 35, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Hallelujah. Bobby, that's a happy time, buddy. For Jesus to come out and tell us, think about all he knew of what happened to the Israel. What all God had done by bringing the manna from heaven. He provided for them. He took care of them. He heard every wine they had. But he sent his only begotten son. And he says, I am the bread of life. 
I don't know about his mother. I don't know what his mother was thinking when he made statements like this. It doesn't talk about his mother here. But can I tell you something? I think mama was saying to myself, saying herself, he does all these miracles. He can raise the dead. He can do this. He can do that. He was feeding 5,000. He just fed 5,000. Let me tell you something. Jesus was who he said he was. I see it and I believe it. And I made up my mind. I've got to keep believing it. And I want to tell you something. Just listen to this. Just like Jesus, I want you to hear it. Just like in Israel, in that Egypt, uh, or out in the wilderness, I want you to hear what they had to do. They had to get up every day and partake of the manna to live. You've got to get up every day and start partaking of Jesus. If you don't partake of that's what's wrong in our churches. We claim to got saved a long time ago, and we sit and do nothing. And he says, feed on me every day. If he's our bread that we're supposed to be living on, we got no life without him. But here's the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. Praise God, he brought us life. Why wouldn't we feed on him every day? He's what we need. You, you wouldn't skip a meal if you sat there in the wilderness. Now, maybe they'll come up with something better tomorrow. No, Jesus is what you need to feed on every day. And I think you need to put your hands up like Sue said and just begin to worship him. Because he is there. He loves you. He wants to put his arms around you. He wants to fill you up with grace and mercy and gifts to work with and to love people with. He wants to put the fruit of the Spirit all over you. So people will know that there's a changed person coming. Jesus changed him. He says, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. And I said unto you, but I said unto you, Listen to what he says, verse 36. But I said unto you that you also have seen me. Uh-oh, there's them people. There's a lot of people see him. There's a lot of, you know what, you got friends that are not living right and they see who he is. Don't tell me they don't. I know they do. That's what this Bible's saying. And it says they see me, hey, they have seen me and they believe not. Uh-oh. They see it, but they don't want to believe it. They put it off. They push it away. You know what they need to see? They need to see you living by what Jesus said. Jesus knew when he came to his own people. They saw it, Andy. They was doing everything they could to push him out, find some fault with him, some find something wrong. Oh, he's not going to be a leader. He shouldn't ride in there on no donkey if he's really the king. He wouldn't have done that. We're looking for a Messiah to take over and rule. But how many know Jesus has to fix our heart first? First, he's got to reach inside because we've got to be true followers of him. True followers listen. They hear him and they believe him. And then they act on it. They act on what he says to them because he's their Lord, Lord of, of what I am. I am nothing without him. It says, he 
It says, verse 37, And all the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, which has sent me that of all which he had given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. I know he's talking to his disciples. I know he's talking, but can I tell you something? He's also talking to you and me. He said, everyone that believes in me, I will not cast you out. I will receive you, and I will raise you up in that last day. On down to verse 48 of John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. That's kind of a, kind of a slap in the face to these Israelites. They didn't, not only didn't want to hear it, but that's the last thing they wanted to hear. Your fathers, he said, did eat man in the wilderness and they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. Now we're going to get into this area where it really upsets people. You mean eats my flesh. You know, we got people that takes that literally. We got people that takes that to uh, grossed out movies. They take it to everything you can think of. But can I tell you what he's saying? You need to feed on me every day. You need to feed on me every day. Listen to what I'm telling you because I want to rub you the wrong way if you're not. Feed on Jesus every day. If he ain't a part of your day, your day is being spent without him. Because he has made a relationship. He paid for you. You are owned by him. And he has work for you to do. And he has something to say to you every day of your life. He loves you. I sometimes wait. I can't wait sometimes for God to tell me. What do I preach next week, Lord? DJ, sometimes I get down and I pray. And I get up and I tell Shirley and she'll say, what's God got you on? I say, I have no idea. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know if I'm going to get anything or not. You know? But see, I would love to just walk over to him and say, Jesus, tell me what I need to know this today so I can practice and work on it. Because I, I know I'm not, I'm not that good. I can't get it together that quick. But you know what? He always comes through. Whatever it is, he always comes through. It doesn't matter how what I think of myself. It doesn't matter what I, my lacks of, of uh do's and don'ts and my faith might be little in a lot of areas but can I tell you something he is always provide and he always will if we'll believe him and walk with him you ain't got to worry about what your steps are going to be tomorrow because he lives I can face tomorrow and I can live for him and I can walk in this world. And the world is still going to question you. And they're still your best friends, your family, and everybody else is going to come against you. But that's all right. You got Jesus on your side. He 
He says, I will give is my flesh, and I will give it a little seed. Verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now let me tell you something. You don't want to know why the church is souring up? They're not feeding on Jesus. He ain't talking about literally. You don't get, you don't even have to get the crackers and eat them every day and to, and to drink the grape juice. But you're feeding on Jesus every day. If you don't rise up and say, Lord, this is the day you have made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to live in it with you. I'm walking and talking with you. And can I tell you something? I come way short, but I keep striving. Oh, Lord, every day, remind me, Lord, to not turn to my own self ways, but to put everything through you. Pray about everything. Begin to work out this walk with God every day. Because, see, he is the bread. If you want to know why the world is starving, and they're hungry. I don't care how much they put in their, in their pocketbook, in their bank. I don't care how much stuff they put in their driveway. I don't care what they put in their house. I don't care the size of it. Can I tell you something? Without Jesus, they're starving to death. They're dying in their soul. It says, Whosoever eats of my flesh and drinks my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. I want to tell you that's good news. But it's news that we got to take to our heart. We not only got to acknowledge that it's true, we got to acknowledge that he is what we need to feed on every day because it's like I can't skip a meal. I can't skip a day of eating. I have to eat what he gave me for that day. So I need to be feeding on him. Some say, and you, you can see them taking communion when he had the Last Supper and he had the disciples there. We did that in one of the scenes in our Easter play one time. Thrilled my soul. When the, Kenny, I think, Blankenship started playing some kind of music and the, soul, and the 12 disciples began to walk up the aisles. Three about every aisle. They'd walk up there all dressed up back then. Had a big long table set up right there. And Jesus sat in the middle. And they all come up and sat around. And Jesus took the bread. He said, this is broken. My body broken for you. When you look at the flesh and you feed on what the flesh is, you're feeding on what Jesus did for you. Nobody else done that for you. Nobody's loved you like Jesus loved you. Why do you live for him? He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He take 
He took all of my sins upon himself and he gave me life. He was broken. His body was beat. His body took all the fleshly pains there was. So when I get that picture in my mind of the cross and him bearing his cross and all that he went through, I realized that was for me. And that makes me say, thank you, Jesus, for breaking yourself for me. You were perfect. You were the Father's son. But you humbled yourself and gave your life, not for your own, not for your sin, but for my sins, for our sins. Who is he? He's the flesh that we feed on. I feed on what he has done for me. I feed on the cross of what he paid. And when it talks about the blood, you drink of it because, see, he gave his, all of his blood was drawn out. He gave it out. He was drained. The life in him was drained for you and I. It's lifeblood. Praise God. It's his flesh that he was broken and his blood that it was the life in him. His physical life. He gave it out for you and I. The whole sacrifice was there. That's why we're to feed him. That's why we're to be in love with him. But if we walk away from that and get away from the cross and get away from what Jesus has done, guess what you'll do? You'll start picking up what the world's doing. You won't think about my Lord. Lord, how long do we got before you come? How long, Lord? I know you're up there with the Father. How many times are you going to plead for this world and plead for those that's lost that won't come every time you knock on their door? How long? See, I think Jesus knows the days that we're looking at. He knows our life. He knows what we're accomplishing and what we're doing and what we're not doing. It ain't for our glory. No, the glory. Sue says the glory all goes to him. He's our Lord and our Savior. Come on back up, Becky. <clears throat> One other place. This ain't got nothing to do with bread. But I wanted to read it. John 15. You've heard this all your life. Talking about the vine. But he said in two verses, verse 4. Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. Listen, we got to abide in him. Do you know what that means? We have to make our abode in him. We have to live for him. Hear what I'm telling you. He's a patient Long-suffering, he waits on all of us. But sometimes I look at it. It's like, it's like I said last night to one of my grandkids. You can talk about a job. You can talk about the school for that job. That, but if you ain't willing to pay the price, and there's going to be a lot of days you don't want to get up and go. There'll be a lot of days... You say, I don't want to pay that price. It's too big of a price. So I said, you know what? You can say later on, I should have did it. Or you can make up your mind, I'm going to pay the price 
and I'm going to do what I know I need to do. Don't think everybody that takes off to college is just skipping around happy and having a good time. You know what? I think school's worse than work. I'd rather work three days to one day in school. But I realize a lot of you is real smart and going through school with a piece of cake. But, and I, I give you all the praise for, you know, you worked real hard and you paid your dues and you made your grades and you do good. I'm, I'm happy for you. God's took care of me in spite of my uh, self-ignorance or whatever it is. You know? Well, I don't know how else to say it. I'm not proud of that. I know that God has looked beyond my faults many times. But he says, No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Hear me. You know what I was telling that grandson? You can sit and say, I can't do, or it's too late, or you can make up your mind, I'm going to try to do it. I'm going I'm to pay the price, and I'm going to do it. Why? Because you will never bring forth any fruit. All you'll do is have regrets as you look back and say, I should have did it. See, that was the thing my wife said to me that made me accept being a pastor here. She said to me, because I kept telling her, Shirley, I can't do what my dad did. I ain't able. I'm not, I don't have the ability. I don't have the even, he'd have had a sixth grade education or seventh grade education. He still was smarter than I was. And I would watch him work in the hospitals and go with him places. And all the time I'm thinking, Pop, I'm proud of you, Pop, but I couldn't do this. But when she said to me, if you don't try, you'll regret it later. I knew right then, Randy, I had to try. I had to put my big foot in there and put my head in there and try. And I ain't telling you I'm doing a great job. I'm just telling you I'm making it one day at a time. And I need to feed upon him. If I ever get away from feeding upon him, feeding on Jesus, let me tell you something. I got nothing to give you. I ain't no entertainer. I can't keep up. But Jesus loves us so much. He does that. Hey, you know, that's how he brought teachers and, and singers and music players. He brings them together. Why? Because it brings worship out of the people. It brings knowledge and growing. It brings iron, sharpening iron. And we grow up and we feed on him all the time we're doing that. You know, I praise God for a good song. I've, I've got up and sung before with, with Becky and Sue, and we'd go out, I'd go home that night and I think, man, the Holy Spirit hit. Why did he why did he bless our song like that? Might have changed the whole church that night. But can I tell you something? God won't let you take the credit for nothing. It's him. In fact, most time you're setting yourself up for a fall. Be careful. The glory goes to him. Praise God. Everybody stand if you will. I went through all of that to tell you you got to eat it and you got to drink of him daily. Daily. It's a daily thing. 
They had to do that in the, in the wilderness daily. They had to get up and get their provision for that day. Praise God, he provided it. Praise God, he provided his own son that even spoke to his own people and said, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that you need. But you just got to come and accept me. Ben, that's what I want every one of my grandkids to know. If I can teach them, if I can tell them that and get that into their mind and make them believe it and receive it, then you know what? I can leave this life. My job's done. I just want them to know Jesus is the answer. He's the food that you need to feed on. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what excuse you got to whine. You know, your whining ain't going nowhere with God. He brought you into this life anyway. And he knows right where you're at. And he loves you. And you'll be a blessing for his sake. For his sake. If you'll step into it and do what he tells you. Praise God. Anybody needs to pray, you come. Life is full of heartaches and broken dreams. To live isn't always as easy as it seems. But God is so faithful, so very true. Don't doubt it 
said a lot at the beginning about Mary and I, I know as I look at the end after Jesus died on the cross and he arose and I realize Mary knew Mary knew then she not only saw it but see I believe Jesus didn't tell her everything I think he just followed through with the Father's plan. And the day come to the end when she watched him die on the cross where she saw when his body was resurrected and he has seen over 500 people at one time. First Corinthians, first part of it tells. He came to the disciples and came to different people, Mary Magdalene. But see, I know then his mother must have known. She must have known. She was not only special to be chosen that way, but I believe when Jesus said to John, Behold thy mother, he wanted John to take care of her. Some says, Well, why did he say that? He he had half-brothers. They would take care of their mother. I, I think he said that because some half-brothers at the time wasn't sure who he was. Jesus was looking at John and knew John believed him. John, you read John's writings. John believed him. John knew who he was. John, the beloved that laid on him laid on his breast, on his bosom, he sung about. I think Mary is a wonderful person. I think God gave her a beautiful days in her life. But she suffered through it. You think you should have everything just right? No. If it takes some striving and some digging we got to make it to heaven you got to make it for your loved ones it may be even after you're gone but they'll say mama lived it mama loved Jesus papa loved Jesus that's what they need to know you can't put salvation in them all you can do is point them to the right one his name is Jesus I think there's a uh, Candy treats, is that right? So everybody get a candy treat and uh, as you're going out. And we don't wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And uh, I love you.
but more than anything, Jesus loves us.